What's up, everyone? You are listening to the Twice Lost Geek Podcast. My name is Ross Hockman, and I am your humble host, tour guide, Jedi Master, and Twice Lost Geek extraordinaire. This is a special episode of the podcast because this is the first episode that I have produced totally from scratch in 2019. Um, Everything that has been heard in the podcast so far has been stuff that I've recorded in 2017 and further back uh, in time. So yeah, um, I was really nervous about making this episode, but I'm really happy with the way it turned out Um, because... Uh, I'm sure as you know, you've heard before, I was uh, trying to start a listener mailbag segment for the podcast, which I still want to do, but uh, the question that I got this week ended up becoming the basis for the entire episode, which you'll hear about later once we go to the actual conversation. Um, so I ended up sitting down with one of my good friends, Brian Foster, and we talked all about Star Wars The Last Jedi, what our hopes are for the upcoming Rise of Skywalker, uh, going into Star Wars lore, the the old expanded universe, and the Legends canon, uh, and we take some detours into history in general, some local history about Lancaster, Ohio, where I am from, uh, some politics, including the current state of the presidency, boo. But yeah, I'm really, really happy, and I hope you enjoy this as much as I did. So please, sit back, relax, and enjoy. So here for the listener mailbag, um, friend of the pod Josh asked this week, what's your thoughts on The Last Jedi? Good bad or meh so i originally was just going to answer this as the normal listener mailbag segment but i thought there was no better to or nobody better rather to bring into this conversation than my good friend brian foster hi <laughs> what's up brian ah not much uh, keeping busy working hard hardly working you right, know right you know the so, usual stuff listen dear listeners uh brian and i went and saw last jedi together so we're going to talk about last jedi what we thought of it star wars in general speculation on the next movie oh and officially there is a spoiler alert in effect yep so if you haven't seen anything turn off the episode now yes all right so lots uh, of spoilers right so last jedi came out last year uh yeah came out last december 2017 Yep. Yeah, December 2017, so not last year, but... Feels like ago. last year. I Good know, grief. Right? Well, they always say time's fun when you're having flies, you know. Right, something like that. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, I mean, overall, I liked Last Jedi. I thought it had some good moments. It, it definitely did. I mean, it was a... It's a mixed bag. You know, like, or uh, your, your, um, your good listener, Josh, was saying, is it good? Is it bad? Is it meh? You know, it, it's kind of all of them wrapped in one. I was going to say, it was all three. Yeah, it was all of them wrapped in one. There were moments where they hit the nail on the head. There yeah. were moments where you could tell the movie was written by committee. Yeah. Like, like where there, it was just, like, the, I, to me, the DJ, the, the the hacker guy, in fact, that whole casino. Oh, yeah, Benicio line, Del Toro. 
yeah, I felt was shoehorned in. It, it just felt like they were f- trying to force the story. You right. Know, they could have easily combined elements of DJ's character into Rose. Yeah. And used her to hack onto the ship. Or even better yet, if you have the casino planet, right? have like a hidden listening post. Yeah, the, or the, something that you could get into. The, the whole casino planet was kind of shoehorned in, I felt like. Yeah, definitely. Definitely shoehorned in. I mean, the set piece looked awesome. set was great. I mean, the costumes are great, but it just... It was a great use of Dubrovnik, Croatia, but in the end, it... it Although we already kind of had the stereotypical cantina scene. Right. Yeah, like in uh, in Force Awakens, you had a re- retread of the ca- of the uh, cantina, right? You know, uh, and I guess it was Disney's attempt at trying to move away from mirroring the original movies blow for blow, but there could have been so many better ways to do it. For instance, the whole chase scene with the ships, right? Why not pull a best of both worlds? type thing. Like, you know, in Best of Both Worlds, you had Picard getting chased okay, by the Okay, yeah, Star Trek Next Generation. Yeah. Do kind of something similar with Star Wars, where you have the Resistance fleet playing a game of cat and mouse yeah. through nebulas, through asteroid belts, maybe have them slingshot around a black hole, which causes part of Snoke's fleet to get sucked into the black hole and destroyed. That'd like, be cool. You, you basically make it like a, a kind of like an old World War Two movie where the submarine captains, we have the Nazi captain and the right. Allied captain in their well, ships trying to like, find each other. Speaking of black holes, like if you go back to the old Legends canon, which sadly isn't canon anymore, know, yeah. there was the what was it, the Maw installation? Yeah, the, which had the, the the second the new like another like Death Star prototype. Right, Admiral S- Dalla surrounded by was. four black holes that had somehow been. Moved in place or something. Yeah, like moved that. in place by the same people that uh, created Centerpoint Station okay, and, the, yeah, yeah. Uh, and the Carillion system. I mean, that's a whole other fun little ball right. of wax there. But, but coming, coming back to Last Jedi, I mean, there, there were some good elements. I, I liked what they did with Luke. I don't know. To like, a point. I Luke kind of came off as a whiny little bitch at some points. He did seem like a whiny, a whiny little bitch, but... Part of it, and part of it might have been some weak writing, but there's another piece of it that if you view it through the lens of PTSD, right, where some where you have Luke no longer confident. I mean, you look at Luke in the original trilogy, even though he had moments where he questioned himself, in the end he was still Luke Skywalker, he had a purpose, he had a mission, right. he knew what he was doing. This is Luke Skywalker who's been broken. Exactly. He's been broken... Uh, his Jedi that he was trying to raise are all dead and he realizes that part of it was him failing Kylo or Ben Solo and so he basically decides well if I'm so much of a disaster I'm just going to run off I'm just going to go off to this other little to to Actu Actu, and say hey you know I'm just going to hang out over here drink Milk yep. from weird aliens. <laughs> yes, that that was a little odd. I like the fishing, but yeah, that the was the whole cool. like drinking milk from the teeth of this big Nessie creature. <sighs> like, no thanks. Yeah, that was no thanks. Like, come on, but, Ryan. One other thing in there were the tactics that the First Order used. You have the opening scene where you've got the resistance. That fleet. was hilarious, by the way. Right, but. Tactically, it was stupid. You've got all these ships that jump in, 
Right. And they just kind of hang back and drink tea while Captain Kennedy's big dreadnought pulls in. Right. And it's supposed to do everything. Oh, it's supposed to do everything. Right. And it didn't. You know, in the end, uh, they, they totally blundered that. If if you had Thrawn in command or if you had somebody capable, the cruisers that jump in, you jump them in right on top of that rebel fleet. Right. You blow up the shuttles that are coming up. And by the time you're done dealing with that, Captain Kennedy's ship comes in, and that one you use for the orbital bombardments. Although, you know, um, having... Oh, come on. Uh, Poe Dameron. That was a fun scene. Yeah, where he's uh, like, I have a, I have I'm a, holding for Hux. <laughs> I have an urgent message for General Hux. Hi, I'm still holding for Hux. I'm here. I can hear you. Can you hear me? What? Yep. Nope. Sorry. You're, you're, you're broke, breaking up. Still, still holding. Still holding. <laughs> That's on the flip side with, with the resistance. Those bombers had to have at least FTL drives or something. You would hope. So How else are they going to make the jump to hyperspace? Exactly. So it... If I were that, well, I mean, unless that was just they were launched from the ship. Uh, well, so yeah, that's true. If they were like the B wings of, of Return of the Jedi, if I were them, I would have had them a micro jump away. Actually, it, if you pay attention to the the new trailer for Rise of Skywalker, I think it does show a couple B wings. Oh, sweet! I mean, the B wings were a great ship. I mean, they were they were. Those are the ones with the, the one pod on the end, and they yep. flipped. The, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. they they not only fired proton torpedoes, but they had their own onboard ion cannons. They were purposely designed by Admiral Akbar to take down Imperial uh, capital ships. Right. And if I were the Rebel commander, I would have had the bombers hyperspace in, right on top of Captain Kennedy's ship. Yeah, but, first, but the other thing too is the bombs on that thing are not space bombs. If they were true space bombs, they would have their own engines to direct them where they need to go. Because right. when you launch those bombs like that, they're not going to fall straight down per se. There's no gravity. There, well, there's gravity in space, but it, it, everything's in free fall. Right. So picture a, a, a frog or a fish laying eggs. It's just going to be a cloud of bombs floating around the bomber. Right. That's not gonna. It's not gonna hit Captain Kennedy's ship. No. It's that, and then this whole fly and keep your formations tight. No, you keep them spaced apart. So, well, as happened later on, Star Wars has kind of always ignored, you know, yeah. the laws of physics and well, also basic uh, tactics. I mean, well, that uh, too. Lucas did the right thing in Episode Three. He hired uh, a Navy SEAL to do the mocap for the clone troopers. No way. Yeah, that's cool. That's why the clone troopers in Episode Three actually look like soldiers. In okay. The way they move, the way they hold their well, weapons, and everything. That reminds me when uh, ILM was shooting the dogfight scene for um, Episode Four. Yep. They had no idea what they were doing, so Lucas spent like what a weekend or so cutting together old footage of World War Two dogfights. Yep. And you know, I think what this. What's the documentary? It's Empire of Dreams. Yes. Lucas talks about that. Yeah. And it shows footage of the uh, the dogfight in space versus footage of the uh, the World War II dogfight. And yep. ILM copied that shot for shot. Pretty much shot for shot. In fact, his demo reel that he used to go around to the different movie studios uh, in the spots where they hadn't fully done the, the special effects yet, yeah. he put in those cuts of the World War II ships that's and then cool. had text at the bottom to say, this is what this is going to be. Right. And in the end, that, that helped sell it. I mean, yeah, Disney turned them down, ironically, because then years later they now own them. Right. Uh, Universal said, get lost. 
and it took Alan Ladd Jr. over at 20th Century Fox to say, you know what, I kind of like this. And then also Fox being... Not, but the, the dumb move they did is they let Lucas have all the... Um, Oh, the merchandising rights. Well, they didn't think anything was going to happen with his space movie. Nope. In fact, episode four wasn't actually episode four at first. It was just it was just the Star Star Wars. Wars. It was just Star Wars. It wasn't episode four until they re-released it for television. Okay. uh, In the early '80s, Uh, that's when they finally because after Empire Strikes Back came out, that one was released as episode five, and then they had to kind of come retcon it and come back. Right. There, but but no. Although that was kind of the same thing, like, with this new trilogy, they've had to retcon some things as the movies have come out. Oh, yeah. But Lucas did the same thing with the original trilogy. Oh, he did. He did. <laughs> I mean... Uh, the, the whole Vader and Anakin... Vader and Anakin were separate individual characters. Right. It wasn't until after Lee Brackett died, she was the one, the first scriptwriter Luke brought... Or Luke... Lucas <laughs> brought on board yeah. uh, for Empire Strikes Back. She came up with the idea of why don't we merge these two together? And Lucas really started to think about bringing those two characters together. Cause, yeah. And then he realized, oh crap, I got this big plot hole with Obi Wan saying, you know, I was once friends with your father, this, that, and the other. And so then he had to kind of twist it to where, okay, this separate character really didn't die. He died in a metaphorical sense. Right, of, but. Then he fixed that with the whole a certain point of view thing. And I remember as a kid thinking, that's, I'm like, what, what, okay. Yeah, that that was a um, definite retcon. Well, even Leia in Return of the Jedi sitting there talking about, I remember my mother, she was beautiful yet sad. Originally, uh, Luke and Leia's mom, we'll use the name Padme because I don't think that was her name originally, but Padme was supposed to survive episode three. Right. Um, Bail Organa and she were supposed to link up as kind of a marriage of convenience and then by the time Leia's a toddler essentially um, Padme dies of not really a broken heart but just depression. (laughs) Right. Severely depressed and just basically just lets herself go. Have you seen the uh, the robot chicken Star Wars specials? Yes. Dr. Ball. Yes. She lost the will to live. Oh, let's not use the billions of dollars worth of medical equipment at our yeah. at our at our use. Why don't we all just get on our knees, hold hands, and pray? We don't right. have knees, you motherfuckers. Yes. yes. <laughs> oh, Ball. I love that. Or, or Palpatine on the escalator <laughs> going up. Yeah, that's just my lord. Go fuck yourself, my yeah. lord. Go fuck yourself. Or, and lord. then there's the poor Jedi Master survivor, survivor who's like the chef in the Yarl Poof. Yeah, yeah. yeah her a little mustache thing. Like, here's your soup. Sir. <laughs> Wait, I sense a disturbance of the force. You didn't give us any crackers. Yeah. And he's like mm-hmm, <laughs> yeah. shaking and then <laughs> Oh, I was that good. those all three of those were just so good. Well yeah, but coming coming back around again to, to the last Oh, Jedi. we're allowed to go off topic on of this. Of course. Man. Of course. But definitely coming back around to it, I mean there were there were moments that were okay, there were moments not okay. I wasn't a big fan of the, the tactics they could have used. Like bring it, They needed to bring the bombers in right on top of the ship. Right. But not use bombs. Instead, use proton torpedoes, ion cannons. Turn that, that dreadnought into a big floating chunk of space well, debris. Like you said the, the people who wrote the movie really weren't coming from a Star Wars perspective. No. It, it they was were looking at what's pe- going to make us money. Right. What's going to make Disney money? Uh, Kathleen Kennedy, as much as great of a friend as she is to George Lucas, she does not know the universe. In fact, she had to do a crash course 
on the movies yeah. and the universe when Lucas sat her down in 2000, the summer of 2012, saying, oh, Kathy, I'm going to sell Lucasfilm, and I really think you should come on board. Uh, and, and she was skeptical. In fact, um, I, I remember reading somewhere where you know she was almost not going to do it, but she didn't want to let him down because he was an old is an old friend of hers. Right. And so well, she. To be fair, the Lucas's ideas for the the new trilogy weren't going to oh. be much better. Oh. Going into the microscopic world of the Force, the midi chlorians and stuff. Well, the whole midi chlorian thing to begin with was a total. Um, oh. It was a total letdown. It demystified the Force. It made it scientific. Yep. Basically. Well, you could make it scientific without it sounding stupid. I mean, use yeah. genetics. Well, that was the other problem with the with 1, 2, and 3. Like, Lucas didn't... Ha- all Lucas had around him were yes-men. He didn't have anybody around him. He told Lawrence Kasdan to get lost, basically. Oh, yeah. I mean, because Lawrence Kasdan was with him for episodes 4 and 5. Yeah. And then uh, they didn't really get along with each other that much. And then, of course, there was um, their their producer at the time. Oh, I, I can curse. I, I think Gary Kurtz. Yeah, Gary Kurtz. He, too, because he was wanting episode six, Return of the Jedi, to be kind of like a man with no name ending. Where yeah. Luke kind of just wanders off into the sunset type of thing instead of the <laughs> ending bit. that they got. Because well, there was definitely a, a bit of a... like. Uh, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? A um, oh, a samurai vibe. Oh yeah, definitely. Oh, even the the fighting style was very samurai. In fact, right. George Lucas used that terminology a lot in his early notes. It's like oh, these guys are like samurai, except faster and more intense. <laughs> yeah, that was the, that was Lucas's constant rallying cry in between yes. takes, wasn't it? Faster, more intense. Yep, faster, more intense. Uh, uh, it. In the in the end, though, I mean, Lucas really should have, when he was writing these movies, he had all nine plotted out to some sense of a degree. Right. He should have written all nine at once, or used the same whatever spirit mojo he had. He should have kept it because right there are pieces and parts where the where the story lost itself. I mean, you go back and watch episode four. Mm-hmm. You get you get a set, and even when you read the J.W. Rinsler books, the making of, of the Star Wars movies, you get a whole insight into how these stories could have been so different. Uh-huh. You you look at episode four. Leia says, "Years ago, you helped my father fight. You helped serve my father in fighting the Clone Wars. Now he needs your help." Right. The Jedi were intended to be not only peacekeepers but generals. And each of the senators had their own armies. It wasn't one grand army of the, the Republic. Republic. Right. Each senator, it was basically the Senate was riven in two. Mm-hmm. And you had each senator had their own house guard, their own planet's armies and everything. And one side of the Senate banded their armies together to fight the other side of the Senate. And then as their original, as they couldn't keep up with recruitment quotas, they went in and, and started making clones. Although I did like how it ended up being that Darth Sidious. And then as we, if you pay attention to the old books, which I still do because I love them, but oh, go back to uh, Star the novel Star Wars Plagueis. Yeah. Um, I mean, the whole, the whole uh, Clone War was in the works from the, you know, the Sith Lords for hundreds of years. Oh yeah. It was their grand plan to basically undo the Jedi. Cause after the battle at Rusan, when the Sith were defeated yep. and you're left with Darth Bane, 
and his apprentice and, and started the whole, yeah the whole rule of two it it was their plan from that day onward well, to build it, themselves up to take out you, the Jedi. I know you haven't read those novels, but you should because uh, like Darth Bane even re- recognizes that this isn't going to happen in my lifetime. Mm-hmm. He's like, but definitely a long game. Yeah, and it finally culminated in, in Palpatine. I mean, Palpatine, and yet uh, one thing you don't a lot of people don't realize is that Palpatine, and at least in the legends, saw the Uzong Vong coming. And there's a theory that he was doing what he did to the galaxy to get it ready for when those things came. Hmm. To militarize Does the galaxy. Does that jive with the role of a Sith Lord, though? Because would a Sith Lord really care? Well, when you're looking at these extragalactic beings that basically chew Force users for breakfast... Yeah, that's true. I mean, even a, even a Darksider was scared out of his wits. I mean, you look at uh, what later on happened with Abeloth uh, towards the end of the of the Legends. This is right as Disney was taking over. Um, Jaina is in her 30s. Okay. Married to Jack, Jared Fell, who yep. lived out with the Chiss on the other, in the Unknown Regions, but uh, they link up. They're married. They're, they're, and um, Ben Skywalker, who's Luke and Mara's son, is well, was first being trained by Jason. Jason goes dark and becomes Darth Cadus. Right. I remember seeing that storyline. I'm like, ooh, that's good. Because, but Abeloth is basically, if you remember the the episode in Clone Wars where he had the father, the son, yeah, and the, the daughter. daughter. Well, Abeloth was the mother. Okay. And she was basically a very ancient Force being that uses her special brand of the Force to brainwash people, and. She basically invades people's minds and turns them into kind of like the um, the body snatcher type people, huh. where basically they are husks of their former selves. I never but, got that far reading the oh, books. Oh, it, it, it's some it's some crazy stuff that goes down. But basically, she starts taking over the Republic. Admiral Dalla comes back, Ooh. and becomes the Chancellor of what is now the Galactic Alliance, which is kind of an offshoot of the Republic. Basically, all the people that banded together to fight the Uzong Bong. Coruscant was turned into a jungle planet. Yep, I remember that. And they're in the process of reclaiming that. But, you know, Dala becomes brainwashed. Uh, half of Luke's Jedi become brainwashed. I mean, like, it, it is... Whoa. And in the end, they end up joining up with a band of lost Sith. They unite and ally themselves because Abeloth is that much of a threat that even the Sith are worried oh, about wow. And that's how Ben Solo falls in love with this one chick who happens to be a Sith chick from the so Sith tribe. That's when Luke kind of develops his overall universe, theory of the Force, right? Where he kind of embraces Seeds both. Seeds of that were starting to, to show up in um, in the book. I, um, I actually have it on my shelf uh, over there. The one, uh, I think it's called Traitor. Uh-huh. Where Jason Solo gets captured by the Uzong Vong. And, tortured, right? Yeah, they actually had captured a Jedi from the old Republic era, and she was still alive. Oh yeah, and she starts teaching Vergeer him or whatever. Yeah, Vergeer or whatever, and she starts teaching him that there's more to the Force than just light and dark. Right. That there's this unifying force that brings things all together. Luke was even discovering it in earlier books in the in the expanded universe of Legends series, and that's eventually where everything is kind of coming around to um, Ezra uh, Bridger was starting and uh, Kane oh, and Jarrus yeah. were starting to find out that there's 
a unifying force. What Kyle Katarn can use dark side and oh, light man. side power. So, say, speaking of Kyle Katarn, they're really or Lucas Arts is releasing um, Jedi, or yeah, Jedi Outcast, and then Jedi Academy for Switch. Sweet, those are fun games. But I have those for PC, and I play those all the time still. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, I, I have Jedi Academy, and I have the other one, um, Jedi Outcast for uh, Jedi, Steam. Jedi, uh, Jedi Outcast is kind of a short game. It is. It's kind of a short one. It's fun though, oh, especially yeah. like the level, one of the levels where you're on one of these on these star destroyers, and you can deactivate the um, the magnetic shields from the hangar <laughs> yeah. bay, and you and watch all, all the stormtroopers storm go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love it. Yeah. I love it. I had to, a lot of fun. Oh gosh, there was this one level. Where they have those super, those dark troopers or whatever. Yeah. Or some type of really uber... He's wearing, buff. like, robotic armor, basically. Yeah, yeah, I mean... It was like an offshoot of the dark trooper project. Right, but they were basically stormtroopers that they, they were not your typical stormtrooper. Right. I mean, they, they, they would mess you up. And as soon as I discovered the button to open to basically suck them all out of the space it was oh yeah because i had this one guy chasing me and i got in just in time hit the button the door shut and you could see him kind of standing there with his gun like i'm gonna kill you and then whoop 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 and then zoosh out they went you see him tumbling by the window and you're just like (laughs) then jedi academy you gotta make your own Make your own Jedi. lightsaber, make your own Jedi. I, I did everything fine. from Twi'leks to all I still play, um, so it was, they were, you know, originally Kakatarn was in the Dark Forces games. Yes. So Dark Forces 1, that was the Dark Trooper yes. project. That was good. Yep. But that Great was like... story, but oh, yeah. the graphics have not aged well uh, on those old ones. No, um, but then uh, Dark Forces 2 Jedi Knight... Kyle becomes a Jedi. Yep. And um, the Valley of the Jedi. There's uh, Rom Coda. Mm-hmm. Or not Rom Coda. No. Oh, what's Rom? His name? His name's Rom. No. Shoot, oh, I shoot. can't remember. I'm gonna have to look that up. Yeah. Bear with me, you uh, listeners. I go search to Google real quick. Dark Forces. I can picture them. To. Dark Forces. Imram Khan, or not Imram Khan, oh, what's his name? <laughs> Alright, let's do Pakistani uh, cricket player. Um, let's see here. <laughs> okay, yep. The game is set one year after the events of Return of the Jedi. The player controls Kakatarn, who made his first appearance as a mercenary in Dark Forces. On Nar Katarn meets with an information broker droid named 8T88 classic, who tells Katarn that his father, Morgan Katarn, was killed by a dark Jedi named Jarek. Who also intends yep. to rebuild the Empire under his rule. Yep. Um, Some great cutscenes. That was one of the first times a video game used live, live action, action cutscenes. I wish those would come back. Oh, yeah. I know how much more money it costs like to cast people and do all the costuming and stuff. There's a game on Xbox that came out in 2016. It has the guy that, that played um, the... He played in the original X-Men movies. He was the guy that had the ice powers. Okay. Um, I forget the actor's name, but he plays in. It's an actual video game, but it has live action elements throughout it, and then you make choices to depend upon. <clears throat> okay, it's a uh, Jedi Master Ku K U Ron R A. Yeah, yep. Q Ron. I was thinking Imram Khan. But there something. was uh, then of course yeah. there's Jarek who. Yeah. Uh, 
Jerk. By the way, if you go onto Twitter, listeners, and search for at Inquisitor Jerk, I run that account. Oh, you do? I have a, yeah, Sweet. I have a pair, it's, well, I mean a parody account, but there's somebody who I interact with all the time who has a Twitter account for Kyle Katarn, so that's fun to go oh, that's back fun. and forth on. Yeah, um, Jarek was, oh man. A miracula. Yeah. So they're nat- they're born blind, but they can see through the force. Yep. It's their species trait. Yep, that was one of the first times that uh, they were actually introduced in that whole band of stuff. Well, now that, essentially, it looks like they're bringing back elements of Knights of the Old Republic. Um, yeah, um, Miracula, or Miracula, uh, uh, you know, they're, they're coming back. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, in fact, uh, Ka- or, um, Revan was this Ooh. close to being in... That episode of the Clone Wars where Yoda goes to the Sith planet. Yep. He was supposed to be a ghost. That would have, <laughs> oh man, that would have been good. That Yoda would have interacted with. They even there's Actually, even production fun, stills of him. Fun fact: where when Yoda goes to Darth Bane's tomb, that's Mark Hamill as the voice of Darth Bane. Yes, that's so cool. That is that. Murph. I always thought that was cool. And they're bringing the. I guess their Disney gave the green light for Dave Filoni to do the final couple seasons because they already had episodes in yep. production and Disney and, that was right about the time that Disney took over yep and they basically You're pulled like, the plug nope. on, on well the, Disney shut down LucasArts too yep. although LucasArts is coming back because EA keeps fucking up all their Star Wars games they do e- EA I, essentially the main reason why Disney kept it with EA is because a year before Lucas sold um Lucasfilm to Disney, he had already negotiated with EA to do uh, the MMORPG, The Old Republic. Right. And at the time, EA was still a, a relatively good company. They hadn't completely gone to the dark side yet. Cause they oh, just, you mean loot boxes? Yeah. Ugh. Yeah, which in several states was actually underage gambling. <laughs> right. Which right. EA then realized, oh crap, we're actually going to get sued by several states' attorneys general for essentially right. propagating underage gambling. You know? Right. And so they, they fixed it to a point, but, it, I mean, the brand was damaged. I, it, um, the original Battlefront games were great. Yeah. I mean, they, they had great replayability, great mechanics, but ultimately they just kind of... When they went and did these redos, I mean, the solo campaign's fun, but there's only so many times you can fight the same maps over and over and over again without right. a compelling story. Well, it wasn't an EA game, but Force Unleashed was pretty cool. It had its moments. Yeah. It was a little bit repetitive. I have it for... I remember I bought it when it came out for Nintendo Wii. So yep. it's the Wii. You know, you've got the Wiimote, you're swinging the lightsaber, you've got the nunchuck, that's how you oh, move sweet. around and stuff. You thrust forward to Force Push. And, Ooh! That's and, cool. Or, like... You can use the nunchuck to hold somebody up in the air, and then use the Wiimote, Zoop. throw it forward, and throw the lightsaber into the person as you're holding them up. Oh, that's cool. But it, it got a little... The gameplay's a little repetitive, because room after room of killing right. stormtroopers. It's like, right. I, I, but um, I remember watching, like, production videos on YouTube, like, behind-the-scenes production videos when it, isn't, when it was in development, and the, the person who was, you know, the, the lead on that project said, you know, the, the basic goal of the game was to kick ass with the horse. Right. Well, that's how you heal up, too, is that each enemy you kill, it, and that little blue dot right. comes out of them and helps refill your health meter. There, I played it on PS3. I got okay. it from my brother-in-law and when I was visiting them right after my first niece was born. 
was back in 2011. I think it had been out for a year or two at that point. I literally I stayed came out up like the whole night. Yeah, it came out 09, and then Force Unleashed 2 came out, I think, 2011. Yeah, which Force Unleashed 2 was interesting. Short. Yeah. A lot shorter than Force Unleashed. It was, and but then you kind of, there's a... You end up capturing Darth Vader at the end of it. Yep. And then there's that whole arena fight where you're, where you're fighting oh, Ron yeah. Coda. I think there's even a spot where you fight Leia. There's something like where you and Leia square off against each other, but... At that point, Lucasfilm was about ready to get bought out by Disney, so they mm-hmm. just kind of... The other reason why it was a short game. Right. Oh, no, I didn't like how that ended, though, where you... Like, it altered the storyline to where, you know, you capture... You take Darth Vader prisoner. It's like, no, I don't think Vader would go out quite that easily, but... No. I like the first one where yeah. Vader's trying to train the secret apprentice. Starkiller. Which it that backfired was on that him. was going to be Luke Skywalker's name was Starkiller. Yep. Luke Starkiller. So and Mace Windu is going to be the one fighting Vader on Organa Major. Okay. It was actually supposed to be a planet. Then they changed it to Alderaan, but it was actually Cloud City. Uh huh. In fact, there are production photos I could show you in that Rinsler book where originally uh, some of the Cloud City elements were filmed for the first movie. Because originally the prison was supposed to be in the clouds. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, and of course the Tantiv Four was actually a kit bash. Well, all the models were kit bashes, but it was actually a redo of what was originally going to be the Millennium Falcon. Oh. And then they realized that it didn't track well or it didn't look right uh-huh. on filming. So then they created, they retook it back, and one guy said, "Well, why don't we have it kind of look like this?" Where he started moving his hand around, and then they're like, "Oh, that looks kind of cool because yeah, because you got yeah, the you got the fit. thumb. Okay, yeah, yep. that's man, that's kind of cheap now that I know that. Yep. I'm like, oh, of and course. so then they, 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 they put it together. I mean, heck, the Mon Calamari, the, the they got the name because on that day on the move on the at the at the at Lucasfilm they were serving calamari for lunch. <laughs> that's funny. And somebody thought, hey, we can call these guys the Mon Calamari. I mean, well, you look at a lot of the original alien names. It was Hammerhead Man and Prune Face, and, <laughs> and was, I mean, like, that's it, another good uh, yes. robot chicken a robot chicken uh, skit. The Prune Face action scene. Mm-hmm. Actually, I'm just here to fix your copier. It's probably your toner. Yes. <laughs> but, but that that was the names of it. even the action figures on the little action figure cards. Was Prune Face? Yeah. Hammerhead. Um, Moma Naden, who was Hammerhead Man, the Ithorian, uh, when I got him as an action figure, it still said Hammerhead. Yeah. On the, on That's the thing. Which, and that was in 1995. Uh-huh. It was like 95, 96. Was it uh, the, it was uh, Kenner who made all those, wasn't it? Yep, it was Kenner. Based in Cincinnati. Really? Yep. Did not know that. Yep, they were based in Cincinnati. Interesting. Uh, they were in the Kroger building. There. Oh wow! Yeah, Kroger had their <laughs> some offices, history. and then above above them was Kenner. Uh, Netflix had a series. I don't know if it's on anymore, but the toys that made us. Uh huh. And they do a special. They did specials on several of the great toy lines throughout, like Barbie, He Man, mm-hmm. GI Joe. But one of them they do is Star Wars, and they go into the whole history of Kenner. Well, it's like. They weren't the, the toys were not ready for when the movie came out, so they sold certificates. Yes, to get the, yep. the action figures. Yeah, it's like you know, if you send off, we'll send you this, and then eventually we'll send you a box with all these figures pictured. 
But when they were, because they were rushing to get it developed because they didn't know. I mean, uh, the yeah. Jawa outfit, they realized their action figure didn't have an outfit. So this guy, this uh, exec at Kenner who was showing it off to one of the board members, took his shoe off, cut off the section where his big toe was on the sock, uh-huh. and used that piece of the sock, because it was brown, yeah. as the Jawa cloak. To show, like, the oh, action wow. figure of the Jawas. That's interesting. When they asked, um, they were trying to figure out, well, how big are these figures supposed to be? The head of Kenner took his big thumb and finger and said, this tall. And it measured out to three and three quarters inches. Huh. It's like, you know, he just didn't have to think. He just put his finger there and said, this big. Boy, and that, that's where it there's went. no way a product would be developed that way now. No. <laughs> I mean, you watch that. Uh, if you ever get a chance, watch the watch Toys that. that Made Us. It's a great story. And it's also, in a way, kind of sad, too, because it shows what later happened at the other end as they kind of overdid themselves. And eventually that's what basically brought Kenner down, is that they overextended and then eventually Hasbro bought them out. But Ugh, yeah. if you look at the Robin Hood Prince of Thieves uh-huh. figures, one of the, uh, the little John, I think it's little John. Um, he's actually the Gaborian guard body, but with a different head. Really? Yeah. Cause That's they, cool. they Kenner would reuse a lot of their figure. That elements. makes sense. Cause well, if you look at the uh, original, well, the rich, the Luke Skywalker from the Red Saber from the Power of the Force series, 1995, he's this very blonde, uh, very Nordic, very buff yeah. guy. Like e- even I think I've seen that before. I have him in a box back there, and uh, in my room. I mean, I've got my uh, my old Star Wars figures all in a box. But yeah, even the Luke with the green lightsaber and the and the rubber Jedi cloak that he put over him. Uh huh. Um, he's all. Just the Buffling same body, her. but a, a different head again, and stuff. But they did not look that. I mean, they kind of looked like their characters. But they didn't, not and then quite. Hasbro took them over, and they started. They were starting to do the very early laser scans of the actors' faces. Mm-hmm. So that way, it like Padme Amidala looked like Natalie Portman, you know. Um, and uh, Jake Lloyd, who played uh, Anakin Skywalker, looked like. Anakin Skywalker looked like Jake Wait, Lloyd. He's a person who hasn't had a very good life. Post. No, he, he was made fun of a lot. The poor guy. I mean, it just it uh, kids because the movie bombed essentially in the fans' minds that when he went back to school, kids were just. See, I was in eighth. Where was I? Seventh or eighth grade when that came out? Probably eighth grade. So you and, were uh, a year behind me then, because I was a freshman in high school. So maybe I was in, how old are you? 36. Okay, I'm 34, so I would have been in 7th grade. 7th grade? Okay. okay. So yeah, 7th grade. I was at the perfect age. Like, I was the target demographic. I remember, yes. like, like, the Pepsi cans. Oh my gosh. I, cl- I remember collecting Everything. those things. I had, I had, I didn't even I mean, open them. Lucas definitely nailed the marketing be... for, yep. for episode 3. Uh, like episode 1 was, a, I mean, or episode even, 1. Even gosh, the, episode three. even the, uh, the restaurants, you've got those collectible Pog chips. Oh Yeah. That if you and oh, I almost one. won the twenty five hundred dollar prize, and then my mother gave away the winning oh, no. piece because she thought we already had it. Pogs, uh, speaking of which, pogs are starting to make a comeback. By the way, pogs are yeah. coming back. Apparently, I mean they were barely around to even be. I able saw to come back uh, like. on Facebook one of my friends saw a pog set in Target. Oh my gosh! Oh my man, I don't have any of my slammers or anything else anymore. Oh. 
I just remember it being this brief, brief thing. Oh, I yeah. My kids, my friends in elementary school were like, like, what? Yes, is this what you do with it? And then well, I a had, year later, they were all gone. I had this machine where you would get blank pogs, and they'd have an, you know, an adhesive side. You put it in this thing. You put like a magazine or a picture or whatever. You cut around it so you can make your own custom pogs. Yeah. I had one I, of those. I remember those. I, I just remember... Um, because when you go to a birthday party in the early 90s, you'd get baseball cards. Right. And then... It was like 94, 95 Pogs. Then, yeah, then you got like uh, these little Pog sets, and then that faded out, and then, and then like, I forget what, what it was. And everybody like, always like was so, would always uh, compare their slammers, like, oh, my slammer's better than yours. Yes. It's like, I'm thinking about it, back on that, what was the point of that game? Exactly. <laughs> the point was that if you, if you slammed well, it, you'd hell, get all their chips. I can remember run. there being, like, okay, so the the mall where we, where we live, River Valley Mall. Right. You know, they've got these mobile mobile carts all throughout the mall. Yeah, and the, kiosk. Right. There was yeah. this dude. There was this old dude who had his own kiosk, and he was selling pogs and slammers. And yeah. We were going there with my grandmother. Yeah. And she's like, what? "That's interesting. Are you interested in that, Ross? Kind of." Yep. I'm like what? But I remember everybody else making like a huge deal. Oh yeah, out of that. Friends used to buy up that stuff, and then in the background you had this game, Magic the Gathering. Okay, yeah, it was really big. I wasn't allowed to play I that. didn't really get into it until late high school, and then it, even then it kind of faded out. Then right last year, or so I've kind of gotten into it again. It kind of never went away, but oh. I remember there for a while it was really popular. Oh yeah, I was back, not allowed to play it. <laughs> yeah, my mom was kind of the same way. You know, the whole like. It's evil. You know, she was the same with D and D, and then finally in college, I was home on a break, and mom was like, "You're casting spells and magic. It's witchcraft." Like, mom, let let me show you. I pull out my player's handbook, and I show her it's a video game, but you're using your imagination for all the graphics, and when you need to do variables, you roll dice. Right. That's all it is, and I showed her page by page. She's like, "Oh, actually, I saw really casting magic. No." I saw a meme on huh. Facebook today. D and D is just math masquerading as Skyrim. Yes. <laughs> Reminds me of another meme I saw where it shows Mister Rogers sitting in his living room and is like, "Hi, television neighbor. Welcome to my neighborhood. Roll for initiative." <laughs> <laughs> That's he has great. A dungeon master screen That's and everything. Great. It's just like, oh man. I mean, it'd be interesting to run, like maybe run a D and D campaign, but as Star Wars. Although I'm sure there is, there probably is a Star Wars role playing game, isn't there? Oh yes, it's D six based. But back in two thousand three, uh, Wizards uh, of the Coast had this. Ooh, Brian has just handed me a book that I'm going to take a picture of to put up on the show notes on the website. Yep, they, it's out of print now, but that is the <laughs> of official. Wizards of the Coast Star Wars role-playing game from 2003. And that's the player's handbook. Very nice cover here. Oh, yeah. And um, I mean, you, you could be a Force Adept, uh-huh. which led into being, like, different Jedi. You could be oh, a Scoundrel. I, I think one of my friends scout. had this. Yep. It, was it was a up. fun mechanic. It's essentially their, their die-20-based system. But in Star Wars. And they made some additions to it. It it didn't get beyond Episode 2 because then Lucas pulled the plug. Of course. Well, it it just wasn't selling. But the mechanics of it were easier than their Die 6 version. 
Yeah. Even though the Die 6 version is what a lot of Star Wars fans really like. In fact, a lot of the adventure modules were later repurposed for Star Wars Rebels. Okay. Yeah, that, that whole mission where, I uh, forget what season it's in, but Ezra has to go to that hidden Imperial TIE fighter base, uh-huh. and he runs into Wedge and all them. Yeah. That's actually from an adventure in... Oh, that's cool. The star, the old Star Wars role-playing game from the 80s. Oh. Uh, the Interdictor Vessel, the one that sucks everybody out of hyperspace, that's from the role-playing okay. games. There, In fact, they even showed on one of the uh, behind-the-scenes videos on YouTube that uh, Pablo Hidalgo was showing his old book and go- pointing to different pages in it. Like, oh, that's cool. notes on what we did for the ships. But coming back around again, you know, we're back into Star Wars. Yeah, <laughs> there we go. Yep. We took a little side yeah, trip there. Yeah, we took a little side Side trip. quest. <laughs> yeah, a little, little side quest there. Star Wars, especially the newer movies, they should not be writing them in committee. They need yeah. to have a singular person. We were saying person. that earlier before we started recording. Yeah. They need to have a singular person well, that can yay or nay story elements, <laughs> and the guy that do it is Dave Filoni. Yo, yeah. I mean, he's the last of the Lucas Whisperers still in mm-hmm. Lucasfilm. He successfully helmed the Clone Wars and Rebels. Which yeah. Clone Wars is coming back, isn't yeah, Clone, it? Yeah, Clone Wars is coming back. It's coming back around eventually. And then they're going to bring back Rebels, too, aren't they? Or not? Uh, Rebels had its full run. Okay, that's I mean, right. they, they had their A to B. Uh, but they're definitely... they've um, In the aftermath of The Last Jedi and Solo... Uh-huh. They realized the fans were getting ready to bolt. Right. And so Disney threw us a bone and said, okay, we're going to... Let, well, let him Dave Filoni just those. said something recently online about uh, getting to see a character that he came up with, except in real life. So there's speculation: is it going to be um, what's her name, Anakin's apprentice, Ahsoka? Yeah, that's a, there's a rumor floating on that it's going to be, gonna be a tough her. one to do in real life. Because like she's... maybe bringing her in real life in for I think for the uh, Mandalorian, maybe. Yeah, I think the Mandalorian. That's going to be a tough sell because that character is iconic in her right. look. And I've seen some real life cosplays. cosplays of her and it just doesn't do her justice. Yeah. She was really built for the animated the animated world. Right. I mean, it can be done. Don't get me wrong. There's done, uh, her species. There's one of her species in uh, episode three. Well, it yeah, was a Shock cut scene. T. Yeah, it was yeah, a cut. Uh, the I mean, scene was cut. Well, she was even in episode two and episode one. Okay, she yeah, was yeah. one of the Jedi on on the Jedi Council, um, a Tokruda or um, yeah, Torgruda. Torgruda. Yep. Yep. Yeah, they're they're in there. Uh, if you ever get a chance, read the Ahsoka book uh, that was released that. Uh, a couple of years ago. That that was really good. But no, that Star Wars needs to have somebody well, who actually knows the universe as the as the person who can yay or nay story elements and keep them on track as well, well especially with rebels Filoni did so much to advance the lore of oh, star yeah. wars like with the, the world between the worlds yeah ezra and uh, the, the, the wolves of um lothal you know yeah. like the, the whole like, like he, meeting the emperor and right and part of that was stuff he was already hinting at even in clone wars but Filoni is the guy that they really needed because I mean, because Star Trek, you had Roddenberry, right? Babylon Five, you had J. Michael Straczynski. Stargate, you had Robert Cooper and Brad White, right? You, or, right. You, you know, you had these people who could help hold the well, hold like, the story together. Uh, then, like with um, going forward, right? 
was it uh, Battlestar Galactica? That was uh, Ronald D. Moore for most of it, wasn't it? Well, yeah, the new one and the old one. It was um, um oh um Larson. Yeah, I can't remember his name now. But even then, yeah, you you had Glenn Larson. Okay, there but it is. you you have these people who help basically hold the hold the ship together, but they're also ones who can help keep writers on track. Right. Because uh, I remember watching something. This is drifting over to Star Trek one of the behind the scenes where um, Rick Berman was talking about the writing process and he was sitting in a room with Gene Roddenberry and these writers are coming and going, yeah, wouldn't it be neat if we did this, and then we did that, and then we did this, and did that. And Roddenberry just shook his head and goes, you're not getting the point of what Star Trek is. Although Star Roddenberry did allegory. start losing his mind after a while. He did, but he still was brilliant in, That's, what, yeah. he, in what he came together. And it, but ultimately, the best showrunner that I've ever seen was J. Michael Straczynski with Babylon 5. Mm -hmm. He planned out, blow for blow, all five seasons of Babylon 5. Right. He even wrote in trapdoors in that, in that whole five-year plan so that if somebody died or got sick or had to leave the show, mm -hmm. there were in-universe plausible reasons as to why they left. Like uh, The right. guy that played uh, Commander Sinclair... He had a mental breakdown on set. Oh. See, I've never watched Babylon 5. Oh, you need to. Beautiful show. But um, this never came out until after that actor died in 2012. Uh -huh. But the guy who played Sinclair had a mental breakdown on set. They needed, it, for his health, they needed to get him off the show. So that's where they came up with, well, he's going to go off and be the ambassador to Mimban. And then eventually they brought him back for a little couple show run in the following season where he then, spoiler alert, goes back and becomes essentially the, um, the, Mim, the Mimbari version of Jesus, Valen. There we go. And, uh, so bringing that back around to Star Wars, if you can, they should have, going into this next three movies, yes, they had some of Lucas's leftovers when Lucas sold the films. Right. But you get the feeling that they never really had a cohesive structure as to what they wanted to do. J.J. Abrams had somewhat of a structure, but then he purposely surrendered the film to Ryan Johnson. Now, Ryan Johnson, for as much grief as he's gotten, actually isn't that bad of a director. Looper was a was actually a pretty good movie. Yeah, it was. You know, it... it Ryan Johnson had a lot of potential, but because you didn't have somebody who actually knew the universe, right, and who actually had the well, the balls, just, for lack of a better term, I'm just, not, not trying to say Kathleen Kennedy's a bad person, but she just didn't know the universe well enough to keep Ryan Johnson on well, track. Like, we've already talked about the beginning, the bomber on it. Okay, yeah. The next scene after that, that's when, that's when we go back to uh, Acto or Achto. Yeah. Luke does this crazy thing. Yeah. He gives you that that happy look when he's drinking the milk. Yeah. It's like, Luke. And then <laughs> then he goes, he hides in this hut. She, you know, she can't get him out. And then all yep. of a sudden, Chewie breaks down the door. Yeah. That was fun. Where's Haunt? And then Luke's like, where's, where's Haunt? Where's Haunt? And that just wipes to something else. Yeah. I, um, I, I oh, wish they could have. That brings me to the one thing that I want, wanted to definitely talk about. Yeah. Where Ray goes to the dark side cave there. On the, on the yes. island. Now that uh, spoiler so, alert. So, so it's definitely more spoiler alerts because I look. I I'm a fan of uh, Star Wars leaks on Reddit. 
Okay. Somebody yeah. posted a complete breakdown of what they what their sources have told them what the movie is going to be. Uh-oh. And the, the big theory is... It's going to end with credits. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, I mean, and you and I were talking about this earlier. Yeah. So when I got here, you were watching the movie. Yeah. Um, it was right at the scene. Ray goes down to the, the, the dark side cave. And when she touches the wall, it's just a bunch of rays. Yeah, whole copy rays. It's that it's that old trick when you when you're standing in the bathroom and you got the mirror in front of you and the mirror behind right. you, and you got all these people in a row. And then when she touches the wall, the yeah, glass or whatever, and she thinks she's gonna somebody walks up and puts their hand on it, it's her. Yep. So the the big the, the rumor going around, especially with dark ray showing up in the trailer, right. Which, look, okay, people are saying, sure, that's just a force vision, but why would they go to that kind of trouble? It may be a force vision, or maybe like what we were talking about, like what She's happened in, in The Last Command, where Luke fights Luke. Oh, you yeah. You know, like where Luke fights a clone of himself in, in uh, Timothy Zahn's Last Command. What if, because they're bringing plot elements in from those old books, what if Rey is fighting a clone of herself? Which would make some sort of a sense, and if... But a clone, is a, clone. Of, a clone of herself that's been trained by Palpatine. Palpatine, or the spirit of Palpatine, or is Palpatine's vessel? Because, like, in Dark Empire, Palpatine is making these clones so he can... Extend his life indefinitely. Extend his life, yeah, and Side send note, his essence into, into these clones. Side note, listeners, the Dark Horse series, the Dark Empire series, there are three, three books, three graphic novels. They're on... Um, they're definitely on Amazon. And they're definitely on Kindle. Yep, they're also on Nook on um, uh, Barnes and Noble. Read them. Sure, they're not canon anymore, but oh, they're so good. Yeah, but it's good. But there's been a lot of people online hinting at that, and there's even been rumors floating around Disney that people have been looking at that comic. Well, like Star Wars Celebration a few months ago, you know, they played the trailer, the teaser trailer. Yep. And out walks. Ian McDermott, the actor who plays Palpatine. Roll it again. <laughs> right. Um, so yeah, so like he's definitely back. Yes. Um, in what form? Although, what was the, was the latest? Um, oh, well, there was another uh, convention where they were going to have um, Ian McDermott and um, Hayden Christensen yep. on a panel. Yep. And, Disney and Disney's lawyers swept in from the peanut gallery and <laughs> shut the whole thing down, like, oh. thinking that this will stop speculation. The right. last thing you do is mysteriously shut something down and then leave well, a bunch it, of news. About although it. it did, it did get people talking. So I think they were pretty effective with that. Yes. Um, you almost wonder if maybe that's the whole purpose was just to drive publicity. But but it, it just there are times where well, Disney's brilliant, and then there are times where Disney is boneheadedly stupid. Well, um, and this was a boneheaded move. They should it, just let the panel happen, but have minders there to kind of keep the two of them. Yeah, that would have been topic. Um But you know, who knows? Maybe Anakin's going to show back up as a Force ghost, or like we were talking about. Um, in Return of the Jedi, one of the discarded plot elements is that Anakin Skywalker was to come back as a fully resurrected physical being and fight yeah. Vader, at least under one of the original plot elements. That was one of the Force powers. Uh, that... Before Anakin became Vader in the mind right. of Lucas. And so that's why they're thinking that maybe either Anakin or Luke comes back as a fully resurrected well, whatever. I mean, but I Luke... just feel like that's just lazy writing. I don't feel like Luke actually died. I feel like he was one of the Force. Yeah, he's he pulled an Obi Wan. 
uh, or even a even a uh, Qui Gon, you know, he, yeah. he's going to come fluttering back as some, you know, ghost of Jedi past to, to <laughs> kind of like uh, so lift his chains and point Ray in the right direction. So going back through the rest of the movie, so we're on Ashto. Yeah, I forget what happens after that. I think that starts the the whole casino playing that subplot, which yeah, yeah which was no. It, the thing to fix that would have been either having them playing a game of cat and mouse, right, in different systems, cool. or even in one big system you have this massive gas giant and the Canto bites one of the moons of it, yeah, and you have them kind of flying around and they realize because in the movie they talk about well the the the, the Snoke ship has these really heavy shields and we can't get in and the codes keep switching. And that's when they realize, well, we could hack the system. Yeah. But then they, they they go to the casino plant to get a hacker. What they should have done is, on the casino planet, have a listening post for the First Order. Yeah. Because it's in this remote casino, they think, ah, we don't need security on this place. Right. And the rebels, maybe through Maz Kanata, find out that, hey, we could go here, hack their upload or their update computers, which send updates back to the fleet. Put our virus in there, and then once it's uploaded, and oh, we get so word that their shields go down. Kind of like Independence Day. Yeah, kind of like the ah ah ah. You know, yeah, you didn't yeah. Say the Jolly Roger. You know, they're whatever. Yeah, you know, like basically you hack it from there, and like from that derelict listening post, and then you slip in. But rather than um, having DJ the DJ character, you basically push elements of him into rows. Yeah. And instead of this bumbling 1980s cartoon villain of Captain <laughs> Kennedy commanding the big dreadnought, yeah, that's who you put Benicio Del Toro in. You have him be... Because right. in the original leaks that I remember reading at the time, he was supposed to be a character by the name of Lord Vikram. Mm-hmm. He was supposed to be... Oh, this, I remember reading those. Yeah, this high-ranking official within the, in the Republic that was essentially a hidden Sith apologist who had Ooh. some force powers. And basically, he was supposed to be the person that betrayed the, the, the New Republic to Snoke, and then basically was kind of like the the inner mole within the Republic government. Huh. You know, that would have been so much more interesting. Yeah. And then they, they canned it, probably because of got out. <laughs> writing writing in committee, as happens whenever you write in committee, you get some prima donna in there that is like, oh, I will leave if you don't let me change this one element. And so they gave in to whoever it was, and... But then we got the movie that we got. I mean, had Dave Filoni or somebody who understood the Star Wars universe been in the executive producer's position, uh-huh. Ryan Johnson wouldn't gone as far afield as he did. I mean, but, you got to give some freedom to your directors, but ultimately even Lucas reigned in Urban Kirshner and Richard Marquand. Although no one reigned in Lucas when he was making one, two, and three. No, but by then, I mean, they... they, they, they However, if you watch, there's a, a behind-the-scenes uh, documentary video of them watching the first screening in the Lucasfilm screening room of Episode One, and then they're in like this little side green room area afterwards all talking, and they're like, what do you think? Uh, I don't know. Do you think we can redo elements of it? It's too late. We can't pull it back. We'll just have to go with what we wow. got. I know. Like, what? They knew even then that it was not... Going to well, hold up he wasn't credited, but I know uh, Steven Spielberg came in to direct the lightsaber fight between Obi-Wan Kenobi and Anakin Skywalker on Mustafar. Right. Uh, Peter Jackson was even called in for a couple elements. Uh, uh, Francis Ford Coppola was brought in to do, like, the... Really? Voice. Yep. That's cool. And frankly, if I were George Lucas, screw the Director's Guild. 
you know, Lucas directs episode one, Spielberg should have done two, and Francis Ford Coppola should have done three. That would have been amazing. And then Lucas just be executive producer of him because right. Ford Coppola being of The Godfather, but also a movie that not many people really watch that should, Rain Man. Yeah. Or not Rain Man, but Rainmaker. The one with uh, Matt Damon, uh, Danny DeVito. Um, basically, Matt Damon, it's a based off of a, a John Grisham novel. Uh-huh. But Matt Damon is this young lawyer who takes on uh, this lawsuit for this big insurance company. John Voight plays the defense attorney. Okay. And uh, Dean Stockwell plays the judge. And then he, spoiler alert, dies. And Danny Glover comes in and finishes out as the judge for the case. Interesting. And has a lot of cool actors. Some people that weren't that big of a name in 95, but now are bigger. But you got to see Francis Ford Coppola's way of directing actors. Yeah. And providing that depth. And I think if episode three, if Francis Ford Coppola had directed episode three, you wouldn't have had the, 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 the you're breaking my heart. You wouldn't oh, have had that, that crappy dialogue, you know, like that just, that script, I mean. Lucas is a visionary, but he cannot write dialogue. No. Harrison Ford said it best. He said, no one can read and write this shit, you know. Like, <laughs> yeah. And, and half of the great lines were where Harrison Ford just took it on upon himself to ad-lib. And the yeah. other actors picked up on it, and in the end, they had a better movie. In fact, Lucas knew that his script, like, he could come up with the big ideas, but as far as the, the nitty-gritty, he had to take it, like, the first the episode four, New Hope, he had to farm it out to his friends. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, Brian De Palma, yeah. um, Spielberg at the time, Francis Ford Coppola, the Hucks. Uh, there was a uh, couple, uh, I forget their names, but their last name was Huck. They they advised on the script, and then well, his then, wife Marsha. Well, she, she was the, the yeah, movie. she was the editor for the first one. Yep, and in fact, the edit that she had included those original scenes in the beginning where Luke is at Toshi Station yeah. with his friends. That actually, there, I mean, there's some of it were some throwaway stuff, but the scenes that he had with Biggs were actually yeah. not that bad. No, I've yeah. seen clips. Yeah, where he's talking about, you know, like we're uh, met a friend, uh, we're going to get off at Bestine and then go off and fight with, uh, with the Empire. But that was one of the first nails in Lucas's marriage to Marsha Lucas, is that he totally canned her edit. And here she was, this award-winning editor, yeah, working with the likes of Martin Scorsese, and yet Lucas took exception to the way she edited it. Cause Lucas is a prima donna. Oh, he is. He's a Primanana perfectionist, you know, which surprised me when out of the blue he decided to sell to Disney. And that's what makes me just tired of dealing with it all. I'm tired of dealing with it, but I think also as he's got more, because he's remarried and everything, he's got um, more, I think he's got another kid or something, but he's in his 70s now. And right. I'm almost wondering if mentally he's realizing he's starting to slip. Because his constant back and forth on whether or not he was going to do 7, 8, 9, or just keep it as 1 through 6, and then, yeah, we're going to do live-action Star Wars. Well, he's kind of trashed Disney in the press, hasn't he? A little bit? Afterwards, yeah, um, there was a 60 Minutes interview where he's talking to, I think it was Leslie Stahl or whoever, where he, um, they ask him point blank, so do you feel like the, the, the father looking at his kids being raised by step-parents now you know, like, your baby, this Star Wars is your baby, what do you think? And he pretty much all but directly said that he regretted selling to Disney. 
On the other hand, his plan his plan for the new trilogy was to, again to go into the the microscopic world oh, of the yeah. Force of the midi chlorians. Like, oh, yeah, no, we don't need the magic school bus uh, Coruscant <laughs> edition. You know, like that that's the last thing we Star need. Wars, the magic school bus. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> oh my you know, god, Miss Miss Frizz, you know, like with then, Yoda ears. You know. But what he, you know, like he was really good, especially the original trilogy, creating a sense of wonder, which then goes into one of my favorite scenes in the Last Jedi when Yoda shows up. Right. Ray oh, has, oh, yeah. Ray has left the planet in a huff because Luke's being Luke. Right. And he then, tells her to get off the planet, and she does. Yep. Um, then Luke goes to the tree, the Jedi tree, with a, a torch. He's going to set it on fire. Yep. And all of a sudden, the camera pans left. And I remember gripping, you know, the the oh yeah, the, the uh, armrest of my the, chair, the ears, and then the head, and, like, and you hey, see hey, the blue hey, gall, hey. the you know, the Force ghost. Oh look, blood. it's Yaddle. Ha! No, no. <laughs> right. <laughs> Psych. Luke, Luke turns around. Who are you? <laughs> I'm filling in. <laughs> Yoda's still in his trailer. He's sick, you know? <laughs> right. Um, but then, yeah, Yoda shows up. I'm like, that, that's what, yes. that's what, that's one of the things that I really, like, absolutely loved about the But the, the books Jedi. are in there. Page turners, they were not. You know? <laughs> right. And you get a, you get a, you know, glimpse of Yoda as he was when Luke first met him. Exactly. And Dagobah. Like, silly yep. and just... Oh yeah, you know, like worse not make one great. Mine, mine, or I'll help you not. Which you know, it's really oh. interesting because, like, in the original, in one, two, and three, Yoda was like super, super serious. Oh, he was. Well, he was the Jedi Grand Master, right? I and of all the Jedi, he probably, well, he was the oldest of them, with the exception maybe some that were floating around as spirits, or that one Jedi that ran that one Jedi library that was this big blob of. Yeah, protoplasm that had been around for several thousand years, but no, um, I can't. Rem- I, I just remember that he he was some essence that lived within that library, not on Ossus, but Obra Sky, or I forget. It's one of the legends, ones. right? But but no, Yoda, he was already eight hundred and something, pushing nine hundred, and he remembered what he basically was the quintessential grand old master who was clinging to the old ways. And that's eventually in that scene where he's talking to Luke as a ghost. He's telling him, look, we were dumb. That's why he made that joke about the books being, you know, page turners. <laughs> page and they turners, weren't. they were not. Yeah, because he's like, he's vindicating Luke and telling him, what we did, we, we fucked up. Right. We fucked up. You need to just go back to square one. Yeah. And essentially re-image force users and that's why this whole rise of skywalker it's moving towards the skywalker not being a surname but an actual type of force user that can unite instead of of jedi yeah or sith yeah being being because there's always been that theme even in legends of coming to the unifying force that the force is the force it's neither dark nor light right it's how you use it Uh, the father on mortis in the Clone Wars, you know, yep. the, the father, father the, the daughter, and the son. Right. He was the unifying element. Right. And when he was killed by the son, he turned to Anakin and said, I need you, because he saw in Anakin the uniting yep. factor. Even old production stills for The Force Awakens showed um, what was then Kira, you know, fighting Kylo Ren, and she had a double-bladed lightsaber that had a blue blade and a red blade. Yeah. 
And that's oh, yeah. why you have that one scene in Force Awakens where her blue blades appear as red blades down here. Yeah. And, and it looks just like that production still. That's But cool. there's always been this push to have both light and dark elements. And that's why I'm hoping we get to see a Palpatine's ghost, but also with Obi-Wan. Yeah. To where, like, the two of them are kind of standing there telling Rey, this is what you need to do. And then Luke shows up and like, nope. You're both wrong. Or, you're both right. Oh. You know, like, as a, that's why, you know, I have Palpatine and, and well, um, Obi-Wan and others, they're all the, imparting their side of the, or their aspect of the Force. Again, again, super potential spoiler alert, but one of the leaks I was reading recently, um, saying that, like, the ghost of Leia, the ghost of Luke, they come back to permanently defeat the Emperor and send him back to the netherworld of the Force. Which is what happens in right. the Dark Empire. Oh yeah, in Dark Empire, yeah. Uh, except that was, what was his name? Emperor Brand or whatever? Empata Jaios Brand. Yeah. He's like the half-man in a pressure suit or whatever. Yep. <laughs> he ends up catch like, Palpatine tries to possess Anakin Skywalker. Yeah, the or kid. Anakin Solo. Anakin, yeah, Anakin Solo, Solo yeah. is an infant. And yep. Bran, like, catches onto his soul and drags him into the netherworld of the Force. Yep. Again, very mystical, but great, great series. Oh, sure. And, um, and it might go in that direction, because that, that would be an interesting pivot into a whole side of the Force that we've only gotten hints at. Right. As long as we get away from this midichlorian crap and right. put mysticism back into the Force, I, I think well, we're heading in a decent direction. You know, it's interesting. So, uh, what was the game we were talking about? Sorry. The, the game we were talking about with the loot boxes, it was... Uh, oh, um, Battlefront. Battlefront. So, the new Battlefront, the latest one, Palpatine is back, but as, like, a, it's, like, recordings of him in a messenger droid. Yes. They're, yeah, they're messenger Operation Cinder. It yeah. It's basically kind of his scorched earth policy, should he get killed, so is would this, activate those robots. So, is this Palpatine in one of the robots, then, for this next movie? Or is it Palpatine, Palpatine? Nobody knows, but I think it's Palpatine, Palpatine. Because well, if you look at the trailer, they're on well, essentially must be Endor because there's that right. whole section of the Death Star laying in the ocean. So is that the forest moon of Endor, or is that Endor? Well, Endor is a gas giant. Okay, Endor is okay, a gas giant. It felt like uh, the best way to remember that, and not many people have watched them, but Caravan of Courage oh, and the God, Battle of Endor. <laughs> yeah, they're the um, basically the Ewok movies. Um, oh, yeah. There's a reason why they call it the forest moon of Endor because it's a moon of this big, okay, this big gas giant. Well, in fact, I've got it in this book over here uh, uh, by books? Kevin, yeah, by Kevin J. Anderson. Okay, yep. I don't even know if it's in print anymore, but it's uh, it came out in the late '90s, but it's called. Oh yeah, I've seen this before. Yeah, very good book. They they repurposed a lot of the. They repurposed a lot of the um, Ralph McQuarrie stills. Yeah. Oh, in there. McQuarrie. But it goes into. <clears throat> it talks about Endor. Uh huh. It talks about Endor in here. And it shows that it's the forest moon. Because they talk about Coruscant and the different levels. They talk about Dagobah. They show off the different things. What Dagobah looks like above the trees, which is kind of cool. Um, Hoth, yeah. they show off Hoth, here we go, Endor, here we go. This was a production still okay. from the Ewok movie, but if you notice, that's Endor. Okay, okay, that makes sense. 
Yep. That's Endor. So that is, it's basically a big old gas giant well, there that has several different moons. So then, and it's also the Battle of Endor, the second of the Ewok movies, introduces the Dathmiri uh, witches. Witches. Yep. Yeah, because the the witch that leads the the evil guys uh-huh. that are fighting the Ewoks is a Dathmiri witch. Okay. And she uses. Um, a version of the force that's also kind of borderline, like magic. classical magic type right. stuff, which, um, which is if I remember correctly, yeah. she had this ring that she oh yeah, yeah 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 and stuff. But because I never thought, I always thought that the first time I ever came across Dathomir was in the courtship of Princess Leia, mm-hmm. where they actually go to Dathomir, where you meet full-grown Rancor beasts that take stone clubs to ATST walkers. Oh wow! And stuff. Oh man, it's a cool scene. We're oh, climbing cool. up this mountain and this a full size ranker because the ranker beast that you see in Jabba's palace uh-huh. is a juvenile. Okay. These things are much bigger, much 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 bigger. Interesting. And, and this thing, literally, these ATSTs were going up this one pass to try and get to this one village of light side witches, and they they're on their rankers and the ranker beast just grabs his big stone club and boom knocks the ATST off the wow. side of the mountain and it just that's amazing falls. you know like there's so many cool stuff in those old legends uh, I mean this whole thing is practically legends now right but um, written by well as the art, art by Ralph McQuarrie and then Kevin J. Anderson who did the Jedi that's cool Academy series wrote up the background that's stories here um in fact, there, there's the witch lady. Okay. There. Yeah. Okay. I remember her. Yeah, the Elvira wig. <laughs> yeah. Um, they're the Marauders. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Well, she, Cheryl was her name. Like Sister Cheryl, or Charl. So the other scene that I really liked, or at least the looks of anyway, is the set pieces for uh, Snoke's throne room. Oh gosh, I love that big that big red curtain in the back it really yeah. brought a certain well, element and then as it it's almost symbolic spoiler alert, away. yeah when they're <laughs> when they're fighting and then pieces of it are just falling and revealing that the ruins of the ship behind them you know right stuff. Uh, just, still great. snoke went out way too easily he did yeah and again that is to me that felt like evidence of writing by committee right you know like i don't think they really knew it they didn't know what Snoke was when they wrote no. that. I don't think we they still really know. knew what it was they were going for. They knew that they needed to make a Star Wars movie. They had a beginning point, and they kind of had an end, because Colin Trevorrow was still putting together Episode Nine at the time, and then he got fired. Right. But that's part and parcel of why you need to have a plot and a plan already laid out, So how and you have a showrunner... Or a central figure that helps shepherd the whole process. So how are they going to retcon this, though? Is it going to be like a projection? Like maybe since Luke was able to force project with Snoke, maybe a force some projection of Some of the of elements Palpatine? that were already in, some of the elements that were already in, uh, like the Force Awakens novelization, talk, and then also the aftermath books talk about Snoke having been somebody who'd been around since even before the Clone Wars, uh-huh. and there's a potentiality that he. That he was extragalactical and he came from another galaxy. So how did he end up in control of the First Order? I mean, I realize we're just speculating at this point, but I have no idea. And I think Hmm. that had J.J. Abrams been the main runner of all three movies, I think there would have been a more cohesive plot because he even stated 
um, kind of circumspectly in one of these in one of his interviews, but he even stated Ryan Johnson kind of went off script. Right. Like they had ideas of where they wanted to go after episode seven, and Ryan Johnson just said, "I'm going to go over here." Right. And some of his going over here was was kind of neat, but a lot. But there's also a lot of elements where it's just like they let him go a little too far off the reservation. Or Rose saving Finn because that's what you do for people that you love. It's like, oh. yeah. ladies and gentlemen, we have a shoehorned romance. Yep, shoehorned romance. And I on the other hand. Kelly Marie Tran, the actress, the great received horrible treatment on social media, especially oh, yeah. Instagram. Like she had to, you know, leave Instagram because of the the, the assholes that were right. The Star Wars bros. Yeah, assholes. Yeah, no, they weren't bros by any stretch of the imagination. Well, no, they, they're, they're it's kind of like, like Bernie Bros. Yeah, except with Star Wars. Right. I mean, they they were essentially they're just jerks and assholes that. Unfortunately, there are elements, in and maybe world some, that are, and maybe some of them were white supremacists too. Oh, it was totally a white supremacist grab. There was some of the criticism of Last Jedi was because it, it showed a lot of people of color doing these really oh, great yeah. roles, and to me, I, I have no problem with that. You, you got to get the actors that if they're good for the story, they're good for the story. Right. I mean. The United States is more than just one group of people, and now we're verging off into the land of politics, but we'll try not to go down that rabbit hole well, too far. But unfortunately, it seems yeah. to be the direction that things are headed politically in this country. Oh, I well, I look at it as a reflexive reaction. You know, when you go to the doctor and they tap your knee with that little rubber right. hammer and your knee kicks out? That's what's happened. You, you've got an element of the country that grew up in an older time, they're they're realizing that although the there's nigh, there are people our ages who are oh yeah horribly but white that, supremacists. But that's because they learned it. Yeah, from, that's I mean, true. racism. You're not born with racism. No, it's taught, and some of it, especially people our age, it's it's irrational. We're, they're clinging to something that they cognitively know is not true. But it's almost as if they don't want to hurt mom pa's feelings. Ugh, yeah. And so they, they feel like they have to toe the line. And that's the sad part is that there's an element of this country that, whether it's narrative-wise or anything, they almost feel threatened when there's somebody different to it being successful. And it's like, frankly, you know, that's what made our country the way it is, is a bunch of us gave the big middle finger to Europe and came over here. Right. Or even the Native Americans, they're following the Mastodon across the Bering Land Bridge. You know, like, it, this, yeah. this country is a, you know, we're, we're a representation of much more. But, but coming back around to the what's going to happen on the rise of Skywalker, I'm looking forward to seeing what Lando brings to the table. Yeah, because, you know, at the end of Last Jedi, the the Resistance, they're, they're down to, like, the, what, their last 20 people. Oh, yeah, they they can fit everybody onto the Falcon, right? Uh, you know, they send out their uh, distress signal to the rest of the galaxy, and at that moment, like you pointed out, they don't hear anybody, right? But somehow, I'm sure I'm willing to bet Lando has probably heard because oh, yeah. you know, in the, the the nice big trailer for Rise of Skywalker, you see Lando at the controls of the Falcon, yeah, laughing, right? Which brings up this cool meme where it shows them, oh, uh, yeah, Han and Lando and talking at the Return of the Jedi and. And it's like, I'll take care of the Falcon over my dead body. And then you see another panel where it's Han's cool. getting run through by Kylo Ren. And then the final panel just shows Lando just laughing as he's flying the Falcon. You know, like, <laughs> it's classic. So 
But I, I've always thought it'd be neat if Finn was secretly Lando's kid. Yeah. Would that be I too obvious, though? I don't think that's going to happen, you know. I There is this chick that Finn is with on the on the bridge of the Falcon in one of the trailers that I think she is Lando's daughter. Yeah. And maybe she becomes some type of love interest for Finn, but then there's always this element, well, what about Finn and Poe, now that we're getting into right. a world where... Well, the yeah. whole binary concept of, of love and relationships is starting to fade. Right. You know, what if there is that? I mean, heck, Star Trek is already verging off. I mean, they were already trying to go in that direction, but uh, the, the culture of the time wouldn't let them. But then eventually now with Star Trek Discovery, you have Stamets and the Doctor, you know, you know, uh, in a relationship you know, with, with each other. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's going to be fascinating to see it. I, I still feel that Finn is probably going to end up not with Ray. I feel like Ray's going in a direction that they originally wanted Luke to go in, which is kind of like the man with no name type. Yeah. That rides off into the sunset. Although you've got a lot of Raylo people. There is a lot of Raylo stuff, and there's even this one artist that draws um, Star Wars like Calvin and Hobbes, uh-huh. where you have um, Kylo's like Calvin. And the mother's Leia and the father's Han. Uh-huh. There's even I've even seen some Raylo elements where the the, the the little Susie or whoever was the chick that Calvin was always chasing around, uh-huh. where you have Kylo and Ray in kind of the same element. Uh, side note though, somebody did a really cool brief run showing Calvin as an adult where he married Susie oh, and is raising cool. his own kid and having to come to grips. I think I with, saw that actually. Having to come to grips with raising a hellion and realizing was I like this when I was a kid, you know. Right. Like, but Bill Watterson didn't want to keep, continue on with Calvin and Hobbes because he said he wanted to leave it when it was good. He didn't want to right, pull, smart. unfortunately, like Garfield, where it just seems like kid <sighs> boy. No, but, man, Jim, give up the ghost. Man, we 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 have been hitting some tangents there. No, it. I, I'm looking forward to seeing Rise of Skywalker. Well, this brings me to who are Ray's parents? Are we ever really going to find that out? Or she's a clone. Or is she a clone? I, I think I think all along, and especially that one scene in Last Jedi that's coming around. Uh huh. I have a feeling that that's going to be the hint that she was a clone. And I think that was an element that even was already set up right from the beginning is that she's a clone. And that possibly the reason why she was hit on Jakku is that that was a, it's either one of two things. She was the one clone that they wanted to keep hidden from the emperor Uh or the emperor's agents or on the flip side, because in the aftermath books, there's a secret lab and base on Jakku. It's why Everybody was heading there because it had maps to the unknown regions. It had cloning uh-huh. vats and everything. What if the whole idea of her parents leaving her behind is a genetic memory or an imprint put in, uh-huh. you know, to fill in the gaps as to why she jumped from being a baby to age ten or whatever? Yeah, yeah. And in reality, she because she was basically developed and born <laughs> in, in a vat in a vat right. on Jakku that she now is. She's now there on Jakku, supposedly waiting for parents, but she never had any parents. That would be an even bigger twist, because all this speculation, she's related to Obi-Wan, she's related to the Skywalkers, she's related to the Emperor, she's uh, the progeny of Captain Kirk, you know, whatever whatever it is that that people try to come up with, you know. Wait, I thought she was the daughter of Spock. 
Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. She's one of the long lost daughters of Spock you know, or, or uh, Spock and Worf. Uh, you know. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, well, why? Why don't you have ridges on your forehead? That's a long story. You know, that, that line they use in Trials and Tribulations when they go back to, in time. Oh, and, yeah. And they're looking over at the table of Klingons that the smooth. It's like a genetic and, thing, or something. it was. It was well. It's a genetic thing, but at the time the writers didn't know and they didn't right. have time, so they did what Maz Kanata did with the lightsaber. How'd you get the lightsaber? It's a long story. You right. know, like how do they why do they have well, it's like for with, it? it's um, a long story? What's the latest Star Trek series? Um uh, well, Discovery. Well Discovery. The Klingons yeah. looking so different. Oh yeah. Well, well part of that too was them trying to merge the the uh, the JJ universe with Right, Star Trek canon. But didn't they go back and redesign the Klingons? Because everybody's like, no. A little bit, but also one of the other things that people don't realize is that Paramount was about ready to go bankrupt. And the 08 economy did not help it out at all. So what they did to save money is they auctioned off their Star Trek archive warehouses. Uh-huh. So all of their makeup pieces, costumes, everything... Were sold, were sold off and auctioned off to raise money, uh-huh. and so that was the other reason why when J.J. Abrams came along to do Star Trek, the reason why it looks the way it does, sounds the way it does, is because none of the original props are in the hands of of. of That's actually uh, really Paramount stupid anymore. Well, I mean, it was either that or declare Chapter Seven. Okay, that's fair. Yeah, they. I mean, they were on the ropes. They auctioned off, got some money. Started going to ropes again. The Chinese have stepped in, yeah, and are now bankrolling. But now they're getting ready to pull the plug. And I've al- and I always wondered why didn't Disney rather than going for Fox, why didn't they go for Paramount? Yeah. But the reason why they went after Fox is two reasons. They needed to round out the MCU because Fox has the X Men and the Fantastic Four, Although now and they have the Spider-Man. distribution rights. To well, Spider Man was Sony. Oh, that's right. That's yeah, right, Spider-Man, right. Sony, but 20th Century Fox also still has command of the distribution rights to episodes one through six. Wow. Well, okay. Yeah. Yeah. And well, now you know they don't have the the uh, like what the new releases of the Star Wars movies. There's no more 20th Century Fox. I know, favorite. and I'm almost wondering if what if that's what's going to happen with the original movies now that. Oh, they're going to change the Fox. fanfare, probably. Yeah, where they're going to take that piece out. You almost wonder why they didn't have, like, the Disney castle and the... Well, because really, they're still releasing it under Lucasfilm now. Right. Yeah, you can still have, you know, the and Dis- John Disney Wa- castle with, like, the Death Star kind of in the background. That would be you know, kind of like, cool. <laughs> Although, John, or George... God. John Williams. John Williams, there it is. He did write a, a new fanfare. Yeah. Uh, cool. That played before the movies. Let me see here. If uh, I can pull it up real quick, because I know he kind—I of, mean, they already had the 20th Century Fox fanfare, but he kind of did it up a little bit. And that's one thing. If we're on the music, that was another beef I have with the new Star Wars movies. If you listen to the original six episodes, they had the London the London Symphony Orchestra. Yeah. Not the not to say that the Los Angeles Symphony Orchestra, Los Angeles Philharmonic's a bad orchestra. They're a great orchestra, but they're smaller. Right. And if you notice that opening high C by the trumpet in Force Awakens, The Last Jedi, uh-huh. sounds like somebody hitting a key on a keyboard or a synthesizer. Yeah. Because if you listen to the original six, it's a full-on brass hit with the trumpet predominant. 
Yeah. Whereas with episodes seven and eight, it's just this, you know, it's just this this high pitch, yeah, you know, like, and it, it just ah, it, it, well, it always makes me cringe a little well, bit because I'm used to the old music. Every time, like, it's been a da 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 da, 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 da something like that. Yeah. Suppose I think it's I think John Williams wrote that because they're oh, yeah. like we need we need a fa- an opening fanfare because we don't have the 20th Century Fox right fanfare anymore. Although if Disney owns it, they could probably still. Use, I don't know. Who I knows? Out. I I noticed that um, for instance, um, my cousins and I we went and saw Dark Phoenix over the summer. Okay. And it had the 20th Century logo. And of course, Disney was already in the process of buying them. It used to say copyright a news corporation company. Well, now it just has the 20th Century Fox logo, and it just has a circle with an R in the bottom right-hand corner. It doesn't yeah. have the news company kicker on the bottom. I mean, because uh, Disney's always had a separate film wing to release its grittier stuff. Like, they had Buena Vista Pictures... Uh, they had Hollywood Pictures. Um, they had uh, there was another one that they had. Touchstone was another uh-huh. one that they. There are several of these sub companies that they used to put out their darker content because they knew that Although Disney was Disney has family. a history of putting out dark movies. At least they did in the eighties. Oh yeah, the eighties were kind of like their their dark side. You know, you got the Black Cauldron. And speaking of which, there's yep. The, there's one of the books of the series there. Um, then there was that one. Was it, the main villain's name was Mr. Dark. Yeah, it was like this carnival that came into town or something. Yeah, but even the, even the original Tron, which yeah, was a cool yeah. movie, one of the very first movies to ever use computer graphics. I mean, um, Star and Trek a completely synthesized score. Well, right. the score was like it was Wendy Carlos and doing her synthesizing thing and the London Symphony Orchestra for that. Yep, score. Yep. Which then later when they came back to do it in 2010 for with Daft Punk. Yep. Oh man, I, it was good. Yep. And, and a really little known fact, I don't remember the guy's name, but the person that designed the costumes for the Neutron movie with the little light up strips uh-huh. from Lancaster, Ohio. Really? Yeah. Did not know that. Yeah, I didn't know that either until I was digging around. I was like, wait a minute. You well, know? Like, um, there's a guy who lives here in town. His name is John Cohen. He works for First United Methodist Church, but he worked on Edward Scissorhands. Oh yeah, oh yeah. In fact, my friend in high school, um, Tiffany Donahue, uh-huh. um, she's now married, lives in Europe, um, but she worked on uh, *Kingdom of the Crystal Skull*. Oh wow! Yeah, she was one of the prop people. That's cool. There for it. Yeah, I mean, there's some well, talent then, around here. <laughs> another, some more local history listeners. Uh, whoops! As I dropped my phone. Uh, <laughs> so, the Police Academy movies: *Tackleberry*, David Graff. He was from Lancaster. Yep. In fact, I, the graphs go to our go to United Church Christ on on graph. Oh, I can't remember his wife's name right now. It's slipping. Wait, that was his family? I believe so. There's not that many graphs yeah. around here. G-R-A-F. Well, I went to I went to yeah. uh, school with one of my friends. Her name was Don, and she like David Graff was one of her cousins, I guess. Yep. I mean, it, it's not a common name, so you know it's. A, but uh, yeah, and no, it. There's. There's a lot. There's a lot of history around here. I mean, heck, I mean, we've got Civil War generals out the right. wazoo around here. But the guy that flew the Enola Gay that dropped uh, the bombs, a bomb on Hiroshima, is from Lancaster. Ohio. Well, and the dude who designed the Fifty Star Flag, also from Lancaster. Yep. He received a B on that project, by the way. 
Yeah, because his teacher, because his teacher said it was, uh, it was, you know, it wasn't a very original design. <laughs> well, little did they know. Little did they know, Congress <laughs> went and did it. Right now, the fun one, uh, another little fun side note: Puerto Rico in 2012, by a narrow margin, voted for statehood. Yeah. All they have to, uh, and they forwarded their version of their state constitution to Congress, and Congress just let it sit on a table. But all it needs to happen is Congress votes on and approves that constitution. It'll never Puerto happen. Rico's At least not right now. 51st state. Yeah, definitely not right now. With, Too with, many brown people. Oh, yeah. You know, that Muppet headed Trump got in the White House. Yeah, pardon, listeners, we're not the Oh, no, actually, you know what? No, <laughs> I will just go on record. That's why Sauce Geek says, fuck Trump. It just, it's on the record. There it is. You know, yeah, but if if Puerto Rico became a state, it'd have what, seven or eight electoral votes. Yeah, and it would add two more seats to the Senate. I mean, a lot of people think it would automatically add Democratic seats. Not quite. The Not political parties in Puerto Rico are a little strange. They're a little different. Well, they just so. threw out their governor. Oh yeah, because he he was total total tool. And then the guy that he appointed at the last minute so that he'd become governor got challenged in court and looks like he's on his way out yep. too and so i mean and then and then but the that's fact what that the, like, that territory's bankrupt i that's mean what's like, oh. supposed to happen in a democracy though you know people take to the streets and change happens but it hasn't yep. happened here yeah, it, it will We're <laughs> well i looking at the way the curve is going i mean even if somehow trump and, and it's still a possibility he pulls out another four years is he going to last that long? Because he's already in his mid-70s. Right. You know, I mean, a great example, look at FDR. Oh, yeah. When he first came into office, and then when he was running for his fourth term, I just watched, it's on Netflix, Ken Burns is the Road. Yeah, Rose. I watched that a while ago. And It's such a fantastic series. It is. And watching Roosevelt give speeches on the campaign trail mm-hmm. or leading up to his fourth term. He was tired. He, oh, he was tired. He was rambling. His skin was sagging. Oh, yeah. They said that uh, his doctors said that his art arteries were basically rigid. Yeah. I mean, uh, he was basic. He was already on death's door. He was staying alive by sheer, uh, sheer force of will at that point. He was. Because his biggest fear was leaving office and somebody else taking Wait. over the war. And effort. taking the U.S. out of the war. Either out of the war or totally screwing things up. Right. And so that's why he felt it was his patriotic duty to hang on to power. Unfortunately, it, that's what killed him. Because you look at where he was when he was first elected, right when he was dead, just the transformation. Heck, even our modern presidents. You look at George, uh, George W. Bush or even Barack Obama. Oh, yeah. Like, Barack Obama went and he had not a gray hair on his head. And by the time he left office... All gray. All gray, and his skin was kind of sagging, and he just looked dead tired. But... I mean, the fact that once he signed ad there on, uh, yeah. I mean, he was like many presidents. He, he went to very, Hawaii for like a long time. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, he was happy to get out of there. I mean, um, there have been presidents like I forget which one it was it was one in the eighteen hundreds that says you have to be practically crazy to want to run for president. Right. And of the vice presidency, one of the uh, FDRs. Vice President said it's not worth more than a bootful warm piss, you know, like uh, like right. just because. Well, it, eventually, you know, yeah. During Rosa or FDR's last term, um, that was when. Um, Truman. Oh, yeah, Truman was his vice president, and that's when the vice president was mostly a ceremonial role. Oh yeah, 
In fact, in the Constitution, really the only major role the vice president plays is that he's the head of the Senate and he's brought in as a tie-breaking vote. Right, well, George H.W. Bush started changing that in the 80s under Reagan yep. and then Al Gore. Yeah, Al Gore, but even Walter Mondale to a certain oh, degree. That's true. Um, I mean, um, I think one of the last of the more symbolic vice presidents was Nelson Rockefeller under Ford. Like Rockefeller and Spiriti Agnew, I mean, yeah, they were trundled out to make speeches, you know, on the right. president and act as the pre uh, as the president's representative. I mean, what really finally gave some teeth to the vice presidency was the, well, <laughs> the Twenty Fifth Amendment. Okay, yeah. When because uh, they realized that like what really got people thinking was in the nineteen fifties, Eisenhower had a heart attack. Yeah. And had to go into open heart surgery, and that was the first time where. A president was not really dead, but he was incapacitated. Yeah. And the Constitution implied that, yeah, the vice president would take over, but how does this work? What happens if you have uh, a president like <coughs> Trump um, <laughs> that is woefully incompetent? Right. What's the process of correcting this if we find the president is cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs? And that's when the 25th Amendment was written was basically to give a process to where you don't have to just impeach somebody. If you feel that this person has totally lost it, there's now a way that to phase them out of office. Now, I, I don't think Trump is going to leave early. But no. Again, I mean, we still have the rest of this year and all next year. Who knows? I mean, a, a, an eternity in politics happen. is a month. You know, an eon in politics is a year. Right. You know, so anything can happen. I mean, uh, but... You know, the, the problem I see, though, is that the people running against them, just like happened in 2004 when the Democrats are trying to run against George, George W. Bush, right. they put too many people out there. I, I'll never forget this one. Uh, it was back when Photoshop was just coming out. Somebody mushed all the candidates in the 2004 election together into the perfect candidate. And it was, yeah. it was General, general Mosley, Braun, Kerry, Edward, Clark, or That's whatever. Funny. And it was, it was this mush of candidates all together to make the perfect candidate. And, of course, none of them won. I guess Democrats picked Lurch to be their, be yes. their candidate, John Kerry. Totally boring. Uh, and then, yeah. and now the Democrats, are. it's looking like they, they might coalesce around Joe Biden, but... The Biden's big, time is up. Yeah, the, the problem with the Democrats is they keep raiding the boneyard for candidates. You look at their Senate races over the last 12, uh, 15 years. Uh, um, Frank Lautenberg of New Jersey, he retired in 2000. And then when an opening came up for a Senate seat, rather than grabbing somebody new, they went back and coaxed Lautenberg out of retirement. He lasted another yeah. term and change and then died in office. Right. You know, because of that. And the same thing happened with Robert Byrd, first elected in 1958. He hung on until 2010. Ted Kennedy hung yeah. on longer. Uh, when Paul Wellstone died in Minnesota, what did they do? They went and grabbed Walter Frickin' Mondale, who was already in his 80s to come in, or late 70s at the time, to, to run for the, his old Senate seat again. And it's just like, dude, quit raiding the boneyard. Get us new people. Right. But, you know, uh, yeah, we, we've gone we digress. far field. Yeah, we, we digest again. Uh, well, <laughs> so I guess to bring it back to Star Wars before we hang up here. Cause sure. We're already an hour and a half into this, which is so great. I know. Um, so I guess on a like, how would you like if you were if we had to give Last Jedi a letter grade? 
I, I give it a, a, a C plus to a B minus. Yeah, I was going to say about B minus, really. Yeah, uh, so it, it's there were, not there were, there were good parts, terrible. but it wasn't as good as it could It's have not been. Star Trek V or Plan 9 from Outer Space. You know, it's no, not oh a God, total Star loss. Trek v. Yeah, it is not a total loss of a film. <laughs> it has a lot of great elements. What I, what I look forward to seeing in Episode 9 is a movie with a cohesive plot. Right. Not written by committee. That actually makes sense and actually brings closure this frayed end of the Star Wars right. movies, and but also does a good job of setting things up for well, whatever's. And please come next. don't let Palpatine go out like a bitch like Snoke did. Please, right? Yeah, not, if you're not, bringing him like back that. just to set him up to be taken care of forever, let's make it epic, people. Please, exactly. Come on, yeah, JJ. Not, not like Snoke or like what was that? An Ant Man where that guy uses that ray gun on the guy in the bathroom and turns him into this little blob of goo and he just steps on him. You know, n- nothing like that. We need a, a fitting end. Yeah, we you know, to I mean, what how Palpatine went out in Episode Six? That's the way you take out yeah. a guy. You don't just have him sit there in his chair with his cup of tea, going, hey, 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 and then you cut him in half with a lightsaber. No, right. And, and although the look on his face is pretty priceless, it was that with his tongue hanging out, got there. But uh, it, 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 along the lines of Snoke, that was a total. I didn't feel like they really utilized Andy Serkis well enough for that. No, I liked Snoke in. Um... Oh, The Force Awakens. Because yes. he's doing the, the, the Palpatine, like, I'm a big projection thing. Yes. You know, and the way they filmed it is they had Circus sitting high up on the right. scaffolding looking down on people so they get the right perspective. But on a fun side note, I sent a picture off to the Star Wars show uh-huh. of uh, the Snoke Hill Road sign. Uh-huh. It's outside of town. Yeah. And I said, hey, uh, uh, we might not know what's going to happen to Snoke, but at least we know where he's from. You know, and I don't think anybody commented on it, but I was almost thinking what would be funny is you do a Ken Burns-style documentary uh-huh. or mockumentary of the origins of Snoke and even have, okay. like, the panning pictures. That so that brings me back to... Just have them like, this is Snoke. There's a road in Columbus close to where I work, and being a big star, I'm going to put this on the show notes on the website, everybody who's listening, this picture, but Darmok and Jalad at... What does that road sign say? At Tanagra. Yeah, Tanagra Road. Ah! I took that picture. I'm like, no. I'm like, now no. I know. Now I know what they were referencing. Exactly. <laughs> At Tanagra, right there. It's in Columbus. It's in Columbus. Well, there's even a whole neighborhood um, up towards <laughs> Dublin that has names from Lord of the Rings. Okay. In it, as uh, you know, it has the I think I forget the different names, but it had several of the places in the Shire and other other things. That's so, cool. But it's like this little. Old bitty body thing. Yeah. Well, hey, it, it's been fun. It's been real fun. Talking Star Wars. I mean, we're, we're, we're both and... August people, so we're full right. of hot air. I mean, we could keep on going, but... Well, please, know. you have to come back on the pod sometime. We do. We do. Yeah, we do. And and, and thank you to Anchor and all the help they do to help make this possible. Uh, Anything you want to plug? Anything no, to plug? no. Okay. I mean, other than to say thank you, Anchor, for help helping out the channel. Uh, check them out. Yeah. All right. All right. That's going to do it for this week's episode of the Twice Lost Geek podcast. I'm happy to report that listenership is up 
and well, I don't know how. Uh, it makes me really happy to know that people are out there listening to and enjoying the podcast. Thank you so, so much for taking the time to listen to this crazy little project of mine. If you would be interested in submitting a question to the listener mailbag segment, you can do so a few ways. Um, you can send an email to twicelostgeek at gmail.com and put listener mailbag in the subject line. You can tag at Twice Lost Geek on Twitter, or you can leave a comment on the Facebook page. Uh, sometimes I'll post threads asking for questions, or you can always send a Facebook message too. To find the Twice Lost Geek online, uh, you can find us on Facebook as the Twice Lost Geek, on Instagram and Twitter as at Twice Lost Geek, and on our home on the interwebs, twicelostgeek.com. See you soon.